Hi, I'm Bethany Godso, the Associate Vice President for Career and Leadership Development at the NYU Wasserman Center, and this is All in a Day's Work, the podcast we've created for you. The NYU network is expansive, and each member of our community has an array of unique experiences. All in a Day's Work will bring you episodes featuring members of the NYU community doing interesting work and navigating the professional world. We're excited to share their stories with you. We hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. This is Sarah Rosenthal with All in a Day's Work. Today, we're sitting down with Tanya Gupta. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Could you start with just giving us a brief overview of what you studied when you were at NYU and what you've been doing since graduation? Yeah, sure. So I studied mechanical engineering at NYU Tandon. I graduated in 2019. In my senior year, I did two co-op rotations with NASA, and then I spent about six months of my final semesters working on my startup that I co-founded with three of my friends from NYU. After a job search, I'm now a hardware and mixed reality engineer at IBM. So you said that you had two different internship positions when you were at NASA. Could you tell us a little bit about the process of applying to those internships and then what it was actually like interning there? So throughout my undergraduate experience, I watched as all of my friends kind of got these really cool, prestigious internships at some of the best companies. And year after year, I kept getting rejected from internship opportunities and job opportunities. So out of desperation, the summer before my senior year, I applied to over 200 different roles and positions. And since I was putting in so much time and effort into it, I figured, why not try my hand at some of the most ambitious job opportunities I could think of, you know, so like the NASA's, Google's, Facebook's, that kind of thing. And I really wasn't expecting very much out of it. But when I was studying for my finals my senior year, I got a phone call asking if I would be willing to take my final semester of college off to do a a rotation with NASA. And I ultimately did end up taking that. So I did not walk for graduation with my friends. I didn't get to do the second semester senior year activities with my friends as I had wanted to, but I think it was a very worthy compromise. So what was it actually like interning there? You know, what were the two different positions that you had? What was that experience like? So my first internship was at Armstrong Flight Research Center in Edwards, California, on Edwards Air Force Base. It's in the Mojave Desert, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And my role was as an operations engineering student lead for what will one day be the first Martian aircraft, the first plane to fly around Mars. It was a really cool experience. Actually, the prototype glider has autographs from all of the interns that worked on that project over the years. And it's been sent to the National Air and Space Museum at the Smithsonian, which is really cool. So you can see my signature at the Smithsonian as a result of working on this project. My second rotation was at Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, Florida. This one was at the augmented and virtual reality lab down there. And we worked on creating a tool that would efficiently convert 3D models for engineering purposes into a virtual reality environment. And we now have a patent with NASA for that tool. 
That is so incredible and and I'm sure really exciting to know that as an intern even that you were involved in some of these projects. But you mentioned at the beginning that you actually faced a lot of initial disappointment with your internship search before actually landing this incredible opportunity with NASA. How would you say you coped with that initial rejection? I think a lot of your your peers, you know, students and alumni can relate to that experience of applying for things that they're excited about and then not seeing it come together. Yeah, for sure. I wish that I could say that there was some secret ingredient or way to kind of combat that feeling of rejection, but it was tough. To be completely honest, it was really difficult, but I kept powering on. I think that there's this idea of manifestation and faking it till you make it. And if you convince yourself that you really are worth these opportunities that you're applying for or, you know, to reach a goal that you want to reach, if you don't fall into the imposter syndrome side of it and really kind of lean into this idea that you can do what you want to do, I think that flows into your work and it may take some time for you to ultimately reach your goal but as my experience shows I just kept persevering even past the point of desperation and it kind of worked out in my favor ultimately. So could you tell us a little bit about the transition from working in a government agency like NASA to the corporate environment that you're in now in IBM? Yeah you know I would say that there's a lot of similarities You have virtually limitless resources at your fingertips. But I actually want to mention that my time that I spent on my startup that I co-founded with my friends compared to the experience I had at both NASA and at my current job at IBM, those two kinds of experiences are very different and showed me a really contrasting perspective on how businesses can be run. If you're running a business on your own or with just a few people, you have to wear a lot of hats. Like, for example, I was uh, helping out with marketing, with HR, with payroll, advertising, like all sorts of different things. Whereas at NASA and at IBM and at any other major corporation, you always have experts in these different fields that you can delegate these tasks to. To be able to have multiple experiences like that and then pick and choose what elements I like of either of those things has kind of helped me hone in on the kind of management structure that I work best under. And I would encourage other students to also try and diversify their work experience, whether that's while you're in school or even beyond that in your career. One of your interests is in virtual and mixed reality. When did you realize that that was something you were interested in to start with? And how have you actually incorporated that interest into your professional pursuit? Right. So when I was going through my mechanical engineering curriculum at NYU, I knew that I had to hone in on a specific interest just to make my job search easier and to find something that I would truly love. And I wasn't really finding that through my courses at Tandon, but I spent my summer of 2016 studying away in Berlin And I was taking what they call a multimedia projects workshop through the Tisch School of the Arts. And through that course, I got to experience kind of the intersection of art and STEM through mixed reality. So we used all sorts of VR and AR headsets like the Microsoft HoloLens, the HTC Vive, the Oculus Rift, 
And I got to see how you can really apply technology towards a creative discipline, that it doesn't always have to be zeros and ones, um, that you can create art installations or even just make technology feel more exciting. And that's what really sparked my interest in mixed reality. And after that, almost every role that I have had, I've tried to incorporate VR or mixed reality into my role somehow, whether it was creating a project for myself or taking the lead on an existing project. I'm really glad that I had that experience to find that because I know that not a lot of people find something that they're so passionate about, especially in college. I think that I was really lucky in that regard. When you say that you were, you know, creating projects for yourself, can you just elaborate a little bit on sort of what that looks like for you in terms of finding those kinds of opportunities or creating those kinds of opportunities? Sure. I'll start out with my experience at NASA. So when I was doing my first rotation in California, I was still looking for opportunities in the mixed reality space within NASA for my next rotation. And so I went onto the job portal and I looked up the keyword virtual reality and applied to every single opportunity that included that. And in my cover letter for one of these opportunities, I think that you could probably hear the passion in my voice from the way that I was writing these things about how much I loved VR and my experience with it, that I wanted to change the world with it. And the person who ended up hiring me into the virtual reality lab at Kennedy Space Center he, to this day, tells me that my cover letter was one of the most enthusiastic ones that he's read and that it had a big hand to play in me getting that job. So that same mentality has carried over even into my current job at IBM. Due to COVID and working remotely from home, a lot of my hands-on training is not taking place the way that it would if I were going in in person. So I have been finding projects left and right through IBM that are trying to apply mixed reality in some way. And I'm finding my way into these teams so that I can provide them with some, some knowledge or expertise that I may have. And it's worked out really well for me. I think that when you chase out an opportunity and you show the enthusiasm and passion that you have for it, it it'll always hold you in good stead. We'll be right back after this quick tip from Danielle Crystal. Before you interview at an organization, and even before you apply to work at that organization, you want to make sure that you research the organization beforehand to really get a feel and an understanding of what they stand for. There are a few ways you can do this. You can go to their website, review their about section, check out their mission statement, check out their vision and values. Every organization should have something like this to really understand what makes them tick. Go check out their social media pages. What are they sharing? What are they saying? And then really, what are others saying about them? You can really get an insider's perspective from that. You can also see if an employee in a similar career path as you is available for an informational interview. You can also check out Glassdoor and similar websites for employee feedback and reviews as well. And now, back to the episode. We know that women are, are still somewhat underrepresented in the STEM fields. How has that been part of your experience, if at all? 
And what advice would you have for other women who are navigating predominantly male workspaces, whether in the STEM fields or elsewhere? So my story with this starts all the way back in high school. So I took my first engineering class my sophomore year. I remember it was the first day of classes and we had just installed a new wing in the school for engineering and workshop classes. And I got lost on my way, so I was a few minutes late. I was the only student that was late. I was also the only female student in my class of about 30 kids. So I knocked on the door, and my teacher took one look at me and said, Sweetie, don't you think you're in the wrong room? And I stood there with confidence, and I said, Nope, check the roster. My name will be on there. And sure enough, it was, but it it turned out to really work out because he took my work to conferences to showcase his best students' portfolios. So ultimately, I think I really changed his mind about (laughs) those first impressions. That was kind of the most jarring experience, and I think it was good that it happened early on because thankfully, my experience at NYU was not exactly like that. Compared to the, I think it's the national average for the ratio of men to women in engineering curriculums is pretty low, but NYU's almost at like 50-50. It's kind of up there. And I, I definitely could feel that. I sensed that in my classes. I had a lot of strong female friendships through my mechanical engineering degree, but I also know that I'm lucky to have that experience. I know it's easier said than done, but my advice is to always stand your ground and hold your head high, have the confidence to have your voice be heard and not be shut down or talked over or belittled by people who don't believe in you. I want to transition a little to talk about some of the creative work that you do. You have a website and you post a lot of your artwork there online. What would you say inspired you to start pursuing these kinds of interests outside of the work that you're already doing? Yeah, I think in college, I didn't have as much time to devote to like my hobbies as I wanted to, because as you can imagine, engineering is a lot of work. But in quarantine, I found myself with a lot more free time and like a desire to have a creative outlet. And I've always kind of loved playing around with Photoshop. I started my own freelance photography business in high school just to make a penny here or there. And I had this extra time, so I started devoting about one or two hours a day to just practicing different things on Photoshop. And I've been able to make some really cool art out of it. And I started sharing my artwork, my digital artwork, and my paintings online, kind of in the middle of quarantine, probably around April or May. And yeah, I... I, amassed a bit of a following from it. I think that my follower count has nearly doubled and I I have my work featured on some art portfolio websites as well. It's really exciting. I wasn't expecting it to go in that direction, but it's really nice to be able to have my professional life and also my creative life and have them be independent and not have to have this kind of end goal that I'm reaching, but it's really just for fun and uh, I'm finding it to be very fulfilling. What advice would you give to people who maybe want to take their creative work, you know, out into the world and maybe even start to monetize it, but they don't know, like, how to get started with that? What kind of steps did you take? One thing is that you can't really be visible until you put yourself out there. 
And I think that a lot of people get bogged down with this idea of striving for perfection. And the reality is, especially when it comes to creativity, you probably never really will achieve perfection, but it's more important that you get your work seen and just put it out there because your work will improve. Practice makes perfect, although I don't like to use the word perfect, of course. But over time, you know, you will be able to achieve the level of creativity or level of work that you want to. But um, even if you're not 100% there yet, I think that it, it shouldn't stop you from still sharing it because you will still probably find a lot of people really love your work and you might even find other people who are doing similar things. I have met an entire community of creatives online who do very similar artwork to me and I've learned that a lot of them also have other day jobs, that this is not what they do for a living but rather is something that they do for fun. And finding a community of people who do the same thing as you is just as important as sharing your work with the world. How do you think about this connection between the arts and STEM? This topic is very close to my heart. Even in my college application to NYU, actually, I talked about the intersection between art and STEM and how much I want to be at the center of that. I think it's so important to have more people at the intersection of art and STEM that are people who are creative as well as technical. Because I think that we're already in an age now where technology is at the center of every industry, whether it's meant to be that way or not. I mean, it's in medicine, it's in entertainment, it's in our everyday lives. You know, you really can't escape it. And having diverse perspectives is very important because you can have the best of the best technical expertise, the best engineers, the best software developers. And if you don't have a kind of a third party perspective from a from a creative side, I think that you can kind of really get tunneled into one type of product or one type of process. If you can have diverse perspectives on a specific project, I think it really heightens it and makes it accessible to more people. And your website, guptanya.com, is where you post a lot of your your creative as well as the professional work that you've done. Can you talk about what you chose to include on your website and if it has you know played any role in your professional development or your your career yes absolutely it has so i started out kind of just making a blog documenting my time at nasa that's really what guptania.com started out as i wanted it to be a way for my friends and family to see what i was doing at the vr lab or working on my martian airplane And it kind of blossomed from there. It's since kind of evolved into a full catalog of my work across like all disciplines. I've turned it into like somewhat of a clickable resume. And it's come up in a lot of conversations, a lot of professional conversations. Almost every single interview, job interview I had since starting the website has included a big chunk of the conversation dedicated to the website because it's a conversation starter for sure. It gets people interested, it makes them want to know more, and it's really helped me in in the long run. The job that I have right now also, my manager learned about all of my pursuits through my website, more so than with my resume. Whether you are creative or technical or both or neither, if you can paint a good picture of what you do online, it's very beneficial in the long run. Tanya, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Oh, thank you so much again, Sarah. It was really nice talking to you. 
If you want to learn more about the services that are offered at the Wasserman Center, you can log onto our career portal, Handshake, through your NYU homepage. Today's episode was hosted by Sarah Rosenthal with episode guest Tanya Gupta. We're produced by Miriam Miller and Lily Smith, edited by Lily Smith, and created with support from Mia Beresford, Danielle Crystal, Dana Rosa, Haley Garofalo, Diana Mendez, Joseph Mercadante, and Carrie Pannoni. That's all in a day's work. Thanks for listening. Thank you.